Cyber King! Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm this is Colin. I forgot my order. That's okay. That was Jace, in case you couldn't tell. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Tonight we're going to actually not get this right again. Um, <laughs> well, let's skip this doctor. Let's go on to the next doctor. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Tonight we're going to obviously be talking about the next Doctor, which is the Christmas special from 2008, David Tennant. This was a Christmas special? Oh, okay. That was an, I know. an epic story for... Well, I know. It, it was mentioned that it was Christmas um, morning at midnight at once, plus the Doctor rang that bell up in the air. And there was ding, white ding, ding. stuff coming from the sky, so it was a Christmas special. They also said it's Christmas when and it Merry r- rang to 12 midnight. Yeah, and when they congratulated the doctor and that heartwarming bravo of a brave man who has saved you know thousands of times before but never got his thank you. He got his thank you on that Christmas morn. And then decided to go have dinner with this dude. Yes, a rare Christmas dinner. Okay, so I have some things to say about to say about this. Say about this. About this. I have some things to say. So off, like when I first saw it, so I was like who in the hell kind of doctor is this? Because he was basically like if the doctor was like an over, like a superhero, like in a comic book, being like, I'm the doctor, like the one and only, like super high energy, like I am that boy. Alonzi. Exactly, exactly. It just seemed so fake, so unrealistic that I actually thought, and after seeing those Cyberman like dog things, I thought that he actually like walked up into, like, a set of someone playing the doctor. (laughs) That's what I thought, because the companion basically rose. He's over here acting like the most arrogant, pretentious version of the doctor that exists. Like, I feel like that would be someone writing the doctor as, like, the most pompous version of himself. And then just seeing, like, these super cheap, like, ape-like Cybermen that he's always chasing. And then this time just chase it up a rope because... And have, like, an actual screwdriver. Like, I thought someone was writing a movie that David Tennant accidentally stumbled upon. You know Mimicking what, the Doctor. You know what's funny? Is that if you go back to the Christmas special in 1966, the first Doctor, Sarah Kingdom and Stephen, actually go back in time to Earth right in the middle of the Dalek master plan. Whoa. And it's the Christmas special. And what they do is they end up in the middle of a movie set. So Are what, you serious? I am not. I am totally serious. Michael, I deserve an award. So actually what you're describing is something that they had already done back into... You want to know my main defense? Tell me that, like, the adversary wasn't basically Missy. Like, I thought that was a twist on, like, the feud, like, a master. Mercy, not Missy. Yeah. It it literally felt like he was just accidentally in a movie just making fun of him. Wait, in the Dalek Master Plan thing, was it a a play about the Doctor? 
It wasn't. It was, yeah, but okay. it was, but the but the doctor literally lands his TARDIS in the middle of the set. So it's kind of like, how are you supposed to explain that? Are you so, talking in like a, a time and relative dimension kind of a thing, or like an air <laughs> hot air balloon kind of a thing? No, the, his actual TARDIS. But yeah, but it's just weird. I dare you guys to rewatch it and think of what I'm saying because I thought that that was going to happen. I was like, oh, this episode fooled me. I know it's a movie set, and then it wasn't. Yeah, especially the move, the Missy like character. Even though it was pretty Missy, it's like this is what the Doctor would be like. I felt like that kind of paved way to like Missy in the future, even though that didn't work. But yeah, yeah. and and I thought you know lore of current Doctor and you know potential for other regenerations to be in the mix. I thought that at, at the beginning that kind of reminded me of like oh maybe this is some other incarnation of the Doctor, maybe in, far in the past or um, somewhere else that we don't know of. Yeah, you know, actually, like, because when I first saw it, I didn't have, I hadn't seen Missy, and I hadn't uh, seen the the future lore that this could be, you know, an even more in the past Doctor thing, so I was just thinking, well, this kind of sucks watching it, you know, now, because I know that Matt Smith's the next Doctor. Yeah, it, I think at the time it had more impact, because mm-hmm. obviously you, you, you didn't see that. And also, I have to put a shout-out to David Morrissey, who is a phenomenal actor. He's probably best known now for The Walking Dead um, over here in the States. But I think... um, Was that Jackson Lee? Yes, that was Jackson Lee. David Morrissey is a very famous British actor. He's been in a lot of movies and television. And he he did a phenomenal job. He's very believable in this this, uh, episode. So as I was going through this episode, I was, like, very confused every, like, ten minutes. So I, like, wrote down notes as to how I felt as I was watching it. And my original, like, hypothesis of what was happening was that he was on a movie set. And then it changed into, well, what if, you know, they implanted all these memories onto this human to trick the doctor into thinking that he's talking to himself from, like, this some um, kind of time period and then mm-hmm. after that I thought well well is the doctor like in a simulation kind of like Rick and Morty where he's in a simulation of a simulation of a simulation and um I just I this is like probably the only episode of Doctor Who that I just had I was questioning like this whole episode and its legitimacy even though it was like a legitimate episode which is super weird and you totally nailed it on your second guess too is he in a simulation? No, the uh, the fact that it was a human it just injected with memories of the doctor. Yeah, but my thing was, it was mine was like, are the are the Cybermen doing that to lure him into a trap or something? Not a, like a genuine mistake. And this whole episode was just a genuine mistake. So that was just me like over analyzing the episode. No, I think that's good. I think the the main thing is that Cybermen aren't really very creative. So. Yeah, but that would that would be a great way to lure the doctor. Although, what was with like the cyber dogs or bears or whatever? I don't know. I thought that was an interesting foil, you know, and a you know kind of um, I, don't, I don't know what to think of it. Copper headed hairy gorillas. It was stupid because you don't see these characters again, or at least I've never seen these characters again. Or because they were prior. kind of dumb. Why would yeah, it, I mean, just for the novelty, you know, I thought it was interesting. And even there's like, oh, that's new. <laughs> that's pretty much all that was mentioned. That it's like, oh, it must be like a dog or something. I guess they've had cyber mats. They've had cyber mites. They've had cyber all sorts of other. Yeah, things. but they've yeah, but never they've been like fur. covered in fur. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, why not use like the whole metal body? Still, it seems like it'd be an advantage. And like, yeah. why get? Take the extra steps of getting small children to run something that clearly seems like it could be automated. 
with Cyberman technology in a much or, more efficient manner. Or even manner. the Cybermen could do it because they're probably stronger anyway. Right, and they're not really doing anything with standing around. They don't care about, you know, having to not work or work. You know, that's not a thing for them. It, it may have actually been Mercy's idea to begin with. It seemed like it, but why did, were they taken with such an idea? I mean, granted, she she was she, very smart. To she lure her to in, She to ran the workhouses. Yeah, to lure her into her role as Cyber King. She, she, she ran the like places where those kids came from mm-hmm. she was in charge of them so that's yeah. probably part of it and uh, what an awful scene right towards the beginning when she's at the funeral she shows up all in red oh yeah and all those poor people she just lets them get killed off by the cyber dogs and supermen it's just like well i mean she didn't heartless. let them get killed okay well, off. She, she had them killed <laughs> but then once she finally got a look at what she became she exploded imploded Imploded. Something. Of, something happened. I don't know. Sure. Disintegrated. There was a plosion of a sort. She was, was no more. <laughs> she was no more. I thought that was kind of terrifying, though. Like, the second, like, the doctor was, air quote, killing her, and she was like, you didn't kill me. And he was like, no. I just made you, like, realize what you are doing. Well, he also told, told her very specifically, you made me into this. Because he knew that what he was going to do was going to destroy them. Well, I think mm-hmm. he was saying to the Cybermen that they made him into. Well, he was that. telling her too. He was directing it towards her, I believe. Yeah. And she wanted to create. Yeah, her she own. Was I mean, he complicit. did kill her. That, she like, was let's complicit. be real. Like he did kill her because mm-hmm. he directly he, he caused to her to kill happen. herself. He seemed to know? know it would happen. He still gave her the choice at the beginning, which is the doctor's typical. Well, yeah, I know, and this most. doctor is, is especially really big on the whole. Oh, I have to give them a, a choice thing, which has come up repeatedly. But you mm-hmm. know, let's be real. He like, oftentimes it's not really like a choice. I think he wants it to be a choice. I think he wants it to be. He, but he, sometimes he knows yeah. that that if he doesn't give him the choice, then it's then it it's all on him. Where at least he can share in the burden if they say no. So he's I'm asking not. for consent to kill everyone, essentially. But kind of, yeah. yeah. Or he knows what's going to happen. It. He just wants to make himself feel better. Yeah. It's a whole other angle of the doctor is a villain. <laughs> oh my god. But at, but at the same time, I mean, that's a very complex kind of, of way of thinking is that you've got this, this character that's kind of important to the whole show who, who does go around. He has to make these very tough decisions. And we remember that back when he was talking to Donna in the Fires of Pompeii where he's like – he's got a, these really bad decisions. Do I let all these people die or do I let just this one person die? And that's where that came in in this episode. Do I let do I let everybody below go to waste because the Cybermen and the Cyber King are taking them all out, and then they're going to be all cybernetic monsters, which obviously is not what happened in time. So it would be kind of weird to have the Doctor just say, "Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that." I never realized that we were referring to a woman as the Cyber King. Yeah, that's kind of new. I, Very progressive in that way. Extremely. No, I thought Cyberman it was the didn't care. <laughs> you thought really? it was I, well, I was surprised that she didn't correct it to the Cyber Queen because Mercy Hardigan or whatever seemed very, you know, big on the whole don't ignore me just because I'm a woman of it all and then, you know, adopted the title of Cyber King. Oh, I thought she was adopting herself more in a masculine role. I was just like, well, a pity to be born a man as a woman like 
Well, and also the king outranks the queen. Instead of, you know, put a woman in the king position, she has the power of a king, whereas if you're a queen, you're just defaulted as not being as powerful as a king. Yeah. But it would be weird also that, you know, Cybermen would adhere to such social norms, although they they are called the Cybermen, and, you know... there have been legions of women that have been converted into their ranks. It's Everything's just kind of how they do it. I'm wondering if that cyber leader was a woman. Yeah. Because the cyber leader obviously was the queen afterwards. <laughs> well, the exposed I, brain cyberman? Yeah, like the black. That yeah, was all designated kinds of cybermen cyber here. Designated. All kinds. I don't think any of them were the leader. I'm pretty sure they all got destroyed. I think some weird things happen when you're a cyberman stuck in the void for a little while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, sorry about that. I thought, you know how recently we've had seen a lot of Rose and a bunch of tiny whiny stuff with, like, parallel universes and back and all kinds of stuff? Mm-hmm. I, I, this is something I thought of, but I didn't think was possible because otherwise I would have hated it and probably so would a lot of other people, but also I would have liked it. Anyways, I'll shut up and actually tell you what I plan on telling you. So when we saw the doctor... And everything was so much alike to the real Doctor, but just off by just a little bit. I was like, well, what if there exists a Doctor in that parallel universe that's, like, in the beginning stages of being a Doctor and just has, like, a slightly tweaked and altered timeline and that he just ended up in Rose's world? And then what would that mean for Doctor Who? Like, there's, like, this whole other Doctor Who story going on in this, this, like, I don't know, like a Ruth weird situation. There's a lot of things that, that that second doctor that's in a parallel universe could could potentially be. And introduce to, I don't know, yeah. For sure. Well, I did feel, though, that the plot of this one largely was like a pretty much a vanilla Cyberman story. It was, you know, the Cybermen are there, they're collecting people, they're converting them to Cybermen as they get defeated by emotions, and that was the whole plot, and that's, like, always the plot, and there just didn't seem to be much of an interesting, like, add-on to it. Uh, The plot was very secondary to the the episode. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but I I think, like, that's that's what Cybermen do. Cybermen make other Cybermen on Earth. That is their goal. You know, if it was Daleks, they would be out to exterminate um, besides the other Daleks. I mean, we know what the end goal is. It's, it's just kind of what the characters are. They're in some ways very singular dimensional, and that's what makes them terrifying. So, but I think if anything, there's a lot of reasons to say this is an abnormal um, Cybermen story because of all these different types of Cybermen um, that were there and tolerated by Cybermen. You, you had them lead, uh, led by a Cyberman of passion, a Cyber King, you know, that... Um, held close, you know, other human emotions. Um, you know, it se- seems like in a lot of ways the worst of both worlds. I don't think that this is a story that I think needed to exist, and I would have, I wouldn't care <laughs> if it didn't exist. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, that's how I feel. Do you Sorry. think it was just too repetitive for typical Cybermen's lore? Much like that, like, Doctor Who's, like, superhero episode it just didn't need to exist okay i mean no episodes need to exist in the but like this span. one really just like it didn't need to exist yeah i would say that there was like one good moment in it it was the very end when the doctor says that his companions always break his heart 
Yeah, no, there were some moments in there where the doc, well, the fake doctor calls out the real doctor and like all of the his doctoriness. That was probably the only thing that was substantial about this episode. I mean, other than that, it was just like a weird doctor. The doctor's following that doctor. And I thought it was like so weird that like the doctor didn't explain to this, you know, alleged other doctor that he was in fact the doctor. Like that seemed like an unnecessary thing to try to like lie about. And he even gave it as the explanation of like, a, oh, you need to be careful what you, you know, say with memory loss, which doesn't really make sense for one thing. And, think- and for another thing, it was like, as soon as he said it, he immediately jumped into a, oh, but remember this? Don't you remember yeah, this? Yeah, I caught that too. Like, yeah, it was just like, so it wasn't really explained well, at well that like point, why he was hiding his identity from the other at guy. At that point, he didn't know what was going on. He was still trying to like be incognito and like learn about himself and how he got that way. I, right. I and, agree with that. And, and I think, you know, and this may be more naive on my part or not, but I felt like it was also like a safeguard against time. I mean, doctors are not supposed to overlap well, in the same place. And if one didn't know himself was there, I, I think that might be an extra... Um, you know, safeguard against, you know, paradoxical kind well, of interactions. No, because here's the, the, the thing is every time the doctor's met himself, he's always been like, you know, there'll be a moment where he's just like, no, I'm in denial. You're not really me. One of them will say that. And then the other one will be like, no, I'm actually you. And they'll have a little argument about it. Like, it's like always like very direct that he establishes it and they like make fun of each other and they, you know, move on. And so like the doctor has never once met himself and not then tried to be like, it's me. I'm I'm the doctor. I'm you. (laughs) But it seems like continuously, like in the other times he doesn't typically expect well, you know. here's another thing you have to remember is that the doctor, when he does meet himself, typically knows it's himself. Yeah, and expects the other person to know who he is already. And that's that wasn't the case. But he also has that telepathic ability that allows him to seek out his other selves. That's something that's established quite prominently in the classic series. And uh, they often have mind mind melds or mind locks where they, they can share information just by thinking it. But then also afterwards, the every doctor except for the oldest one in his own personal time stream, like all the others forget yeah. everything that happened in the interaction. They can't retain mm-hmm. any information that ha- is related to them meeting themselves. And that's so it's like never actually a problem. It's just something that the doctor continuously worries about. I think it's a more um, of a... It's, time Lords can yeah. meet, meet themselves. Time Lords have kind of this rule, basic rule, that you can't meet yourself it, unless it's, like, extreme circumstances. The, so The brigadier once touched himself and... And, and who decides what, what's extreme, you know? That's why you shouldn't touch yourself. <laughs> it just seems like sometimes it's wholly appropriate and there's zero consequences, and others, you know, we're just worried about it, and then when we see it, it's like, oh, let's interact with each other. But, you know, I, if... If there was really a worry about it, I'd act more like the doctor in this story. It's like, well, there's definitely a problem that we need to, you know, I need to help myself solve. But maybe we don't delve into all of our overlapping history together. Maybe that's a good way to... Well, he also knew that Jackson Lake was actually forgetting everything and had no memory. So he didn't... Having to explain everything or try to make it so that he... So that the Jackson Lake doctor could actually believe that the doctor is the actual doctor that might have taken more time than the doctor really wanted to spend 
Yeah, I guess, but he also seemed to spend a lot of time making up his own, you know, alleged backstory. One thing, one problem I had... John Smith. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, like, you know, and then he kept being like, oh, I know this because of such and such, or, oh, you know, legend has it. Although you think that Jackson Lake would have known who John Smith was because he would have had that information. Yeah. Maybe the Cyberman may not have had that particular info. Who knows? Um, one, One thing that I kind of had a gripe with was that some of the secondary characters were just completely I don't I mean Rosita? No not Rosita I was thinking I like, like Mr. Cole Mr. Schoons we don't really care about them even though they oh, get no, taken, not. taken over by the cyber men it's more like yeah they're pretty much like well these were horrible people so it's all okay well, but <laughs> even so long. <laughs> it would have been better if they had actual back, some little backstory or something just other than just, okay, these people, here yeah. they are, goodbye. They're rich, powerful, they have slighted, they're drenched in misogyny, they don't care about a woman's first name, for goodness sake. Very well done. You did bring up a good point, though. What did everybody think of Rosita? I liked her. Yeah, I thought she was a good companion. It would, and, you know, it was, would made kind of a believable next doctor, too, because the doctor had his companion there, and it seemed like a, a logical pairing. Um... I love when she calls them I, both idiots. Yeah, she has great chemistry as a companion, and I think she did with, with Jackson as well. So um, I thought she was a good character. I like that she was, you know, had the had some semblance of a backstory, just, a, just enough to make you understand why she was connected to him. Although I didn't like that it was just sort of assumed that she would be cool with being the nursemaid for his son. <laughs> yeah, I was... Thinking maybe it could be a little bit more than just yeah. I was I was like yeah. It wasn't like uh, oh well maybe I'll marry her or something like that. It was like oh yeah maybe she could work for me. <laughs> yeah, that was that something that doctor had a lot of sexism. Like remember Although when he was, it was like for the time I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely was. But he was also just like don't you know you gotta like I forgot that beginning scene where it was like you do as the doctor says. Like, oh yeah, get in that TARDIS kind of thing. I was like okay. Yeah, that's not something I really. Well, that's that's kind of a. That's kind of a joke because it's a joke towards the fans. The doctor usually says something and the companion typically will go do it just because who's going to argue with the doctor? I was thinking it was more just like a first doctor kind of way of approaching things because, you know, he's kind of like, especially, you know, in episodes when he's just known as being like gross. Well, when I first... I I don't know. I took a totally different take on that. I, I, I was just thinking about how like... That the doctor consistently will just be like, "You're my companion. You're supposed to do as you're told," and the companions like don't do as they're told. And he's always like, "Why does nobody do what I tell them to do?" Yeah, that's true. That that so, does. Happen. So I thought it kind of fell into the joke that the doctor, you know, seems to constantly forget that nobody listens to him when he tells them to stay out of things. Oh, I didn't process it like that. I just kind of processed it as he's not actually, like, the doctor and that he's just, like, a victim of his time period. Yeah, that sounds probably more accurate. But also, some of the... Because he lost his memory, some of the info stamp stuff could be wrong. The cyber It's taking it from the Cyberman standpoint, not necessarily from the doctors. So the doctor may seem a lot more egotistical to the Cybermen because they see his bravado. And That's his, a great point. And so they're going to be like, well, okay, this is how well, the doctor is presented to doctor. Us. I can do everything. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I had to pair him up with one of one of the actual doctors, I think I'd go uh, Fifth Doctor. Peter Davison. Pair who up with the Jackson, Jackson, Jackson Lake. 
Like as a companion? No, like as a, if he's the, which doctor he's the most like. It's because of what uh, he was wearing. No, just the way he was acting. I mean, like the, the fifth doctor had the same, you know, like not to that level, but the same type of pomposity about him. Sounds mm. like Michael has a contrary opinion. I, I would totally disagree. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what this, doctor would you have said he's the most like then? I don't think he's like any doctor. Well, I yeah, think he's the most. What is he the most, the most, most like, similar like? If you had to pick one. That was our point. Um, well, based on that pomposity and, and some of his, you will listen to it's me. It's nonsensical. It's nonsense. <laughs> um, I'd say he's like a combination of maybe three and six. Because he's got that, that air of, oh, I'm kind of important. But he's also got that kind of I don't, mm. more like do as I say, don't. Don't go off and do what you don't want Don't say do. as I do. Yeah, there you go. I was thinking of that, too. I don't know if I agree with that. That combination. I feel like he's basically, if you if we're talking about all the doctors, a mixture of you get, like, Matt Smith and Jody, and then mix them in with maybe Tom. I could see a little bit of Peter Peter's vulnerability with him, because he was a very vulnerable uh, character, but that was because he lost his family and he wasn't quite sure about it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, give him high praise. I'm gonna say Jackson is a high confidence, low IQ Capaldi. No, I don't see that at all. I need a second to take that in. A, yes, a young so. version, of course. Well, I, yeah, I would yeah. not say Capaldi. Yeah. I don't see that. No, I love Capaldi. I wouldn't insult him. Like I'm just kidding. I think he he. No, I mean, a lot like of... he brings like some swagger and some bravado that I see from. Um, Capaldi, but it, it just seems so unwarranted, I feel like, for this character. And I think that's the disparity. Because, like, the Doctor, I think, kind of deserves to act like that in some ways, although he never does. I lovingly disagree. Maybe the Eighth Doctor would be a better comparison, because the Eighth does have some more look-at-me kind of moments in his tenure. Yeah, for sure. Especially, like, his very last episode where he regenerates. He's like, oh, I'm the Doctor, although probably not the one you're expecting. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. This is I, I I can see a little bit of that. Let's and talk about how like Mr. Fake Doctor Boy really briefly actually was like pretty chill. Like he thought he was the doctor and then he realized he wasn't the doctor and then he kinda of became the doctor. And yeah, then didn't like become was, the doctor. He was valiant, you know, he was he was doing some bravery stuff. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Local funny man, Colin Sweetie at your service. <laughs> We had an edit there. <laughs> At any rate, yeah, I think this. I think Jackson Lake goes on the biggest journey in this, and and that's probably the only character that, uh, besides maybe Mercy, which again really isn't that big of a journey. Say her name. All right. Speaking of journeys, I, I do because there's a hot air balloon in this in this episode. <laughs> I have to tell my obligatory hot air balloon story. Um, so my family and I, we went to Cappadocia in Turkey, and we went on a hot air balloon ride. And cool. um, it was. It was really cool. It was gorgeous. Um, but the winds changed around the time we were going to land. Um, so so we, um, so we weren't able to land, and so we got blown off course. And the ground is really rocky and, like, sort of, like, all up and downy with a lot of, like, plateaus and stuff there. So... 
we like were skirting along the ground at one point and these two guys who worked there tried to stop us so they grabbed onto the rope and we started pulling them and they didn't let go and we were like dragging these guys and then like eventually they let go because we would have pulled them off a cliff and so then we start like careening across this like chasm as we're running out of fuel and the balloon is dropping and we don't and the ground's not level so we don't know like what's going to happen and we end up we run out of fuel like almost across this like other chasm and our basket just like hits the edge of the cliff and manages to bounce up on top of it and we slid to a stop and we uprooted an apricot tree and it like landed in the basket with us oh and i forgot a really great part while we were still in the air we had been all crouching in the crash position for like half an hour and so some people started like getting up and talking and stuff and the pilot turns to them and yells shut up this is serious we could all die that's really what you want to hear from your pilot yeah oh my so then we had our crash land- yeah we had our crash landing in this poor guy's orchard and the company that did the hot air balloon thing sent out a car to find us in the middle of nowhere Boy, that sounds like almost this adventure we just watched. So when are we going on a double date? <laughs> <laughs> on a hot air balloon? Did they reimburse you for your hot air balloon ride? <laughs> Did they reimburse so. you for nearly dying at their hands? <laughs> they well, gave us champagne. I mean, it was a one-in-a-lifetime experience. <laughs> I, I would like to celebrate another day of life after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I'm glad And I'm glad that I, everybody, you know, in London got to celebrate an extra day of life, too. And thank the doctor. Yeah, except for, like, the people that the Cyber King inevitably stepped on on the way. Ah, you never know. I mean, like, it was there for a while. You know, people were seeing it. Who was in those buildings anyway? And and she was wondering why everybody was running, screaming away <laughs> yeah. from her and not, and not, like, bowing down to her. <laughs> if you're stepping on their kids or on their, on their town. Yeah, 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 there were a lot of kids in the workhouses there, man. They had a big cast. And then, of course, they had Jackson Lake's kid there, which was kind of a the, kind the, of a the mute man. child who looked a little bit like a like a doll. I thought it was interesting how the king was just like stepping on everyone's homes and causing fire and like hell, and was like, "Why aren't they rejoicing?" Like, ma'am, you are literally killing people and stomping on their homes. That's why they're not rejoicing. And she seemed so sincere in that like confusion. She yeah, I think the cyber stuff might have, like, knocked out some of her emotions or ability to understand things. Yeah, definitely. Why aren't they happy? Yeah, I mean, it tapped her into a lot of extra knowledge and information, too. I wonder how much was just that. Yeah. She got too smart for her own good. Yeah, and her eyes turned black. Is that what happens to all Cybermen, you know, believe the <laughs> I'm going to be her for show? an awesome con. Thank you very much. <laughs> Not, but, you know. That's quite a dress to be putting on. At any rate, ratings... All right. Rate them up. Rate I'll them go first. Right. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, I made a bold decision. Look at me. But um, I thought this episode, I don't even think I would even call it okay. I just think it didn't really need to exist. I just, I don't know. It just felt wrong. It felt unnecessary. And of course, like, just because it doesn't need to exist doesn't mean it shouldn't, but it, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it shouldn't, but very, very close. I don't think it was bad. I just thought it was, I could have, I would have preferred to watch something else. So what's your rating? Probably, probably a 5.5 only because I do believe that there is, 
there were really good moments in there, kind of like when the doctor was looking at himself in a mirror with that doctor. And I think that was really cool. But yeah, that was my short rating. Mm-hmm. Or, well, I'll, I'll take this rating in another direction. Um, I thought there were a lot of fantastic qualities about this episode. I liked it a lot. You know, say say it's a vanilla Cyberman episode. I think it's one that's a uh, that's, that's a that's a little loosey goosey and out there. I think it's fun. I think uh, we have a whole new potential doctor. I know he's not a doctor in the end, but that's a whole twist in and of itself. And just uh, the the expanse that you get to wonder, I think, as a fan coming into this episode and seeing it for the first time with fresh eyes, at least, you know, with my new renewed fresh eyes after seeing it, you know, for the next time, you know, the last time was like 10 years ago. Um, I was just interested to see it in where it went. And I remember back on me seeing it the first time, just uh, wondering, is this a new doctor? Will we see him in the mix? And that's what you can always have with time potential. But I think it was a great story in the end. Um, I really liked Mercy as a character, and I liked the idea of, you know, a Cyberman with with passion um, and seeing that unfold. And the Doctor, you know, saving the day on his own and getting, you know, a a cherished thank you. And I know that's that's weird, and I've brought it up a few times, but it made me shed a tear. I made enough to say. I cried a little bit. It was emotional for me at the time. Um... And I did get out a good arc. I, I, I enjoyed this episode and it really captured my attention. It's getting an 8 out of 10 for me. I just think it's so interesting. I said, listen, I'm a man and I cry like a horse. Like, you shed those tears, Colin. Yeah. It was a moment. <laughs> you know, I, I, I also really appreciated that moment. That was nice. I mean, you know, and the, the doctor's look of surprise when everyone searched her and he was like, what? Is that for me? Yeah. <laughs> Type thing. And I, I did think that was a good moment. I actually... Um, have to agree with disagree with most of what Colin said, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, honey, but um, I, I thought that you know the characters were largely boring, boring and underdeveloped, um, and I thought that the plot was the same way. It was kind of boring and underdeveloped. I thought that Thank you. you know there nothing really got fleshed out very much, and not a whole lot happened. I thought that you know. I mean, the twist was good in that it made a lot of sense and it did keep you, like, guessing and wondering at, you know, what it was going to be. And it was a satisfying answer. However, it it seems like, you know, the first time you watch this, you're, like, just confused for most of the story. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, sitting there thinking, these are all the reasons why it's wrong. And then you find out, you get vindicated, but it's still sort of like, well, but then I didn't really enjoy that first part and then like the next times you watch it you're just kind of like well he's not the doctor so this is like not very interesting the interesting part was me finding all the reasons he wasn't the doctor (laughs) and um so i i'm gonna give this one a five out of ten hmm well the thing about christmas episodes is that they are supposed to be fun i'll give colin credit for that this was suppo- this was supposed to be more of a fun episode, more lighthearted, not really substantial in plot, which is fine. Um, I I don't I think this was kind of a culmination of good moments interspersed with just a okay plot. And as a matter of fact, I'll agree with you, Shelby and Jace. The plot was eh. I remember being very underwhelmed when I first saw this. 
Um, especially right off the heels of Journey's End and the Stolen Earth, it's kind of hard to take that magic and then transfer it to this one and go, oh, wow. But one thing this does have is a little bit of heart, and that is, comes in Jackson Lake's character and his, and his moments of realization that he has a son, that, he had, that his wife passed away. Those are moments that I think are kind of important for this. It's a little dark for Christmas time, but fortunately we are reunited with the sun at the end, um, which I think and, and then allows the, there to be a joyous moment when the Doctor finally defeats the Cyber King. Um, with that said, um, I, it, like I said, I was, I was underwhelmed. I, I was not that impressed with the story overall. The look of the story was good. I thought the Cyber King looked good. Um, the special effects actually improved drastically. The fire and the explosions? Top notch. <laughs> but also when it's coming out of the water, it looks like water's actually dripping off of it. So that was actually... It wasn't? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. It was, it was what it was supposed to be, but just kind of underwhelming. I mean, I understand how, like, at the time, this episode could have been, like, right at the edge of your seat. But now that we know, like, the history of Doctor, like, this kind of, I feel like, just plummeted as compared to when it first came out. Yeah, I, I wanted to put myself in that place in childlike wonder. And I think in some senses I could. But this is a fun romp. I appreciated it. Um, so, yeah, enjoy it. Eight out of ten. I think we are all in agreement. <laughs> Thank you for another, another uh, great uh, journey with us through Doctor Who. We'll catch you guys and next our week. disagreements. Although I will say, it's interesting that 13.1 million people watched this. This was, I think, the most watched Christmas special. People have no taste. I think that that has more to do Doctor. with the previous Christmas special than this one because people wanted to watch it because they enjoyed the previous one. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just more like I'm a man of the people and understand what the broad appeal, you know, <laughs> of this episode would be. And... Your elitist Doctor Who snobbery is getting in the way of you enjoying a fun Christmas story romp of Doctor Who. I didn't know I got Who. added into Whoa. elitist Doctor Who snobbery. Thank you. Oh, Colin. but you're, you're really comfortable including us into that, huh? Yes. I think you earned it. I mean, <laughs> you, I think you earned it, Jace. You are trash. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. But you, you came into Doctor Who at a at a at a young age and ripe in your ripening. And my ripening. Yes. And it yeah. has <laughs> it has wiggled its way into your mind and your into your heart. Ew. <laughs> I was gonna say something. Hasn't Doctor Who wriggled its way into all of our hearts? Yeah, it just I think do, we can I, all, through our partners. Definitely. Yeah, but like but like wriggling its way like that just sounds like just such a gross verb to use. It reminds me of like worms. you know yeah, of worms <laughs> or frankly little cyber mites like digging their way in through mm-hmm. the anthropomorphic ideas. Yeah. Dogs had nipples. Dent- tentacles. Oh. But, I mean, maybe. Maybe they've got, like, 20 on their skirts or whatever. Yeah, you just got to add a little chocolate chip on the end of it. Next thing you know, they're just made out of pure boob. Maybe that's what all their balls are. <laughs> they're just nipples. Eggs. Yeah. Well, if you go back to the... Oh, uh, my God. If they were eggs. Oh, man, do we need to label this as a Doctor Who after dark? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Good point. At any rate, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.